hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do love us, that you gave yourself for us, that you set us free, and that we are free indeed. And may we walk in your love. Teach us, Lord, to live in your love. Be in this service. Minister to us as only you can, Holy Spirit. And we commit this into your hands. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The theme for our theme this year is walk in love. And I was thinking about that as we walk in love. And even in the text, it talks about and walk in love as Christ also has loved us. So he gives us the example on how we're supposed to walk as Christ walked. And, you know, we always think about and we were talking about, we always talk about, and we think and to kind of understand that the New Testament is grace, but we always make the Old Testament always about law. Do you realize that the love of Christ is all through the Old Testament? It's through the whole thing. And so the Mosaic law commanded that you should love your neighbor. And so we'll kind of start there. And, and we're supposed to love one another, love your neighbor. Now, we made it, it can make it difficult and always try to make it like, who is my neighbor? And Pastor Rod pointed out that very clearly last week. It's everyone is our neighbor. There's no difference in that. Leviticus 19.18 says, And you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And the emphasis on am is mine. I always like to drive that point home. He's the great I am. And so, but they even took that and twisted it. And they had this idea, well, their neighbor, or those that they would love, are, are th those that are of the circumcision. And all those of the uncircumcision are my enemies, so we hate them. But you know, we, don't we do that same thing? We, we kind of twist it and make it be how it fits us, how we think it should be. Yet some of the teachers of the day of Jesus added the opposite, <clears throat> and, and evil and misapplication, an equal obligation to hate your enemy. <clears throat> and Jesus had this to say, Matthew 5, 43 through 44, Verse 43, he says, you heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, that's what they did. They took it and twisted it. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. If we really think about what he's saying to us, that could become overwhelming, couldn't it? 
And Jesus is driving this point home. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. And as Christ went to the cross and he gave himself a ransom for all mankind, he paid that sin debt in full. It was love that held him on that cross. That he stayed there and he hung there. He didn't have to. There's an old hymn. You know, I always like to talk about all these old songs. Mostly never heard of them. <laughs> but there's an old song that says, He could have called 10,000 angels. Huh? And he could have. But he died alone for you and me. How powerful is that? And now he's telling us that we need to show that kind of love to our enemies. That's easy to say, hard to do. Lord Jesus, help us to learn to love like you love. Because you know, in the times that we live in and all that's happening and all that's going on and there's so much turmoil in the land and we have so many things that are split among us, and oh, if you're on one view, we love all those people on that side, we hate them on the other side and vice versa. We're living in a world like that today. Oh, that they could see the love of Jesus Christ. How he could change us. Jesus reminds us that God means it. All people as our neighbors, even our enemies. That's what he tells us to do. To truly fulfill this law, we must love, bless, do good, and pray for our enemies, not only for our friends. See, it's easy to love one another, isn't it? Huh? Have you had somebody that you've come to know over time, and that you got to know them, and it just didn't, kind of, it didn't match? You kind of were always missing it? I remember in a church years ago, and she's died and went home to be with the Lord, and she, she knew the Lord. But Ora Dean was her name. We called her Sister Dean. In that church, we, we went by brothers and sisters. Talking really old school. <laughs> Sister Dean. And what she said was not always wrong. But it's how she said it. And sometimes she would take a testimony and turn it into something else. You ever, you ever been to a church where you used to have times they'd stand up and share? Like, we used to do that on prayer meeting nights sometimes, on Wednesday nights, and be able to share and stand up and give a testimony of what the Lord's doing in your life. Well, she, she, she was a live wire. <laughs> when she started out, let me tell you, I thought, oh my, here we go now. And what she would say... Is correct, but it was how she said it and the spirit in which she said it. And I knew she was driving points home to probably about half that congregation. Because she didn't like, she'd see things a certain way and she, didn't, she would tell you, this is how I see it. It's not wrong to be able to say the things that we should say, but if you do it in a spirit of love, it comes across so much better. 
Let me tell you. <laughs> we need to bless those that curse us, right? And do good. And pray for our enemies. Not only our friends. How easy it is to pray for one another. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all your prayers. I was out for about three weeks with a respiratory virus and I said, with all the people praying for me, I have to get better. But there was times I felt like, Lord, just take me home. But it's good to be back and it's good to be feeling good. But we need to pray and sincerely pray, not just say the words, but to really mean it from our heart. Lord, teach me to love those people that it's hard for me to love. Because when we can begin to be a church like that and express that kind of love, we're going to see a move of God. We're going to see God move in a way that we haven't seen him move before. Because it's love that changes everything. Jesus understood we will have enemies. He made a point to drive that home, didn't he? We have enemies, and you need to love those enemies. Yet we're to respond to them in love, trusting that God will protect our cause and destroy our enemies in the best way possible by transforming them into friends. I've had that happen. There were those that just stood... They were, we weren't friends. They weren't Christians. And they knew I was, and they just, they just didn't like me because of that. But over time, I got to know them. And when I got to know them, there was times it was very hard. But when I really got to know them, God, I, my prayer would be, God, let me see what you see. Because this is hard sometimes. But when I could begin to see and understand the pain that they were going through and why they did some of the things they did, I could begin to love them. And when I began to really show that love to them, it was over time I had the privilege to lead, lead many of them to Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point that Jesus is making. That we respond to him in love, trusting that God will protect our cause and destroy our enemies in the best way possible by transforming them into our friends. Now, that always doesn't happen, but it can happen. I've had it happen. The disciples' attitude to religious persecution must go beyond non-retaliation. In other words, well, I'm just not going to say anything. Uh, have you ever done one of those? Yeah. I'm just going to be quiet, no retaliation. So that's how I'm showing my love. That's not love. Love is to have a positive attitude toward the people that we have uh, towards and to say, oh, God, show me how to love them. Help me to be that person. The central theme of the gospel from beginning to end is love. Love is the greatest of all of God's commands. Loving God and loving others. And if we love well, we will do all things well. Because if you're starting off on the right with loving and having that part right, everything else is going to be okay. Sometimes the circumstances are not going to be easy. 
It's going to be, can be overwhelming at times. But when we show the proper love and we love well, things have a way of working out. Loving God and loving others. But people are afraid to love. I mean really love. Because love is vulnerable. Love is intimate. Love is sacrificial. And love carries risk. And it's hard. It's easier to live behind the walls, isn't it? And we have a whole world that's doing that. You know, there's people that feel so alone, and yet they live in big cities and people all around them, and yet they're lonely. May our prayer be, Lord, point me to some of those people that you love like that, that need to know that kind of love. Help me love like that. The gospel is love. Love is why the Father sent Jesus to earth. It's hard for us to understand that. Before the foundation of the world that God so loved us and he knew, man, he was going to create us and he knew we were going to mess up and he had a plan before he even created the thing that his son was going to come and to pay the sin debt in full to deliver us and it was love the motivating factor behind it all. Love is why Jesus died and rose from the dead. And do you realize that that's that love that made him, held him on that cross and he went into that grave and he came out on Resurrection Sunday by that same power source one day guarantees our resurrection. That's a hallelujah moment, church. Huh? Yes, thank you. Huh? Love is why he's coming back. And we're going to be with him for all eternity. Because he loves us that much. And his love for us is what's changing our lives. He put the Holy Spirit in us, as Pastor Rod spoke about last week. He put the Holy Spirit within us. He sealed him within us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. He's sealed within us. And I always say this. He sealed him in us and he's not coming out. And the work that he started, the work that he started in us, he's going to complete. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And the work that he began in us, he's going to complete it in us. And it's a transformation in us. So it's changing and our lives are changing and we're changing as a whole process of making us be more like Jesus and less of ourselves. And there's going to come a day that we're going to step off into glory and we're going to be just like him. Aren't you glad for that? To know God is to know love. Lord, help us to express that love to those around us. 1 John 4, 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's powerful, isn't it? 
One of the greatest keys to walking in love towards others is for each one of us to become filled with the Father's love. That's what he wants us to do. We cannot love each other well if we have not lived in the Father's love well. You see, when we have that right, then our relationships are right. You have the relationship going this way, right? The one's going this way is right. Jude verse 21 says, and I'm not reading the whole thing. There's more to that verse than what I just point, but I'm just using the part that makes a point to what I'm talking about. Keep yourself in the love of God. That's what Jude verse 21 says. You say, well, some people tap me and say, well, you say that about Jude, what verse it is, what chapter is it? I said, there's only one. So we don't have to say it. We just say the verse. <clears throat> Keep yourself in the love of God. And that, that's where we need to work at that. We don't always do that. As I've gotten older, I've gotten better at it. But when I was younger, and we didn't take much to set me off. And we're not supposed to be like that. But it's a process. And I'm glad it's a process that he is changing in us to make us be more like him. Matthew 22, 35 through 40 says this. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, to love God. And to love him well, with our very being, heart, mind, soul, everything about us. Lord Jesus, teach us to love like that. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm not going to re-say who your neighbor is. Pastor Rod did that very well last week. He already answered those questions. But we try to work around these, uh, these ideas. Well, you know, they're not, you know I, I don't really know these people. It doesn't matter. If we're the representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we need to know those around us. I pray that God would give us a holy boldness to be able to share our faith, to share that love, to share that with our neighbors. Huh? To be able to make a point just as saying hello and running on, to stop and talk to them. Take some time. Get to know them. And it may not always work out well. I have a neighbor that, that lives next to me, to, to me as a Christian. And him and his wife, and I made a point to talk to Sean and Kathy and get to know them and invited them to the church. 
And I think they've been going over to Mountain Ridge. And I said, oh, that's a fine church. That's our sister church. And here's what he said to me. You know, he said, well, it's not that we wouldn't like to come give your church a try. I just wouldn't like to live next door to the pastor. <laughs> huh? And I shouldn't be like that, but, that's, that's, but he was being honest. And I said, I thank you for your honesty, Sean. Yeah. And so they started going over there. And as far as I know, they still do. Lord, help us to love like that. And not to be afraid of, you know, that in our neighbors, you know, not to be, oh, they're Christians. And, oh, it's worse yet. He, he's a, one of the pastors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that. But you know, there's been so many people hurt in church over the years, so many. And that's, that's a hard task to take on. But you know what? The church of the Lord Jesus, those that truly do love like that, need to take it on. You know, there's those that, it is, that, that come here, many of you have said to me, well, I was just, when I first started coming here, I would usually ask, I'll get to, to talking to them, i get to know them, what made you decide to come here? And a lot of them like the size that we are, that we can still know everybody and not get lost in a crowd so big it wasn't overwhelming. Some of you are nodding. You understand what I'm talking about. And there's others that said, you know what? We just found out how loving this church is. And it was a loving group of people that really cared about each other and really loved one another. And I find that shocking that, that should be the rule every time and not the exception. And yet anymore, it seems to be that's the exception. My wife read this story to me. She's on this neighbor thing or some, I don't know what you talk about. Where you, you know, all the, the neighborhood people get on here and ask questions of each other. And there was somebody on this program and it shared something about it happened at their church about the pastor. They got a new pastor. And, and I'm sure this pastor heard this somewhere else why he did it. But he did this. And he was in a larger church. They didn't know who he was, so he knew he could get away with this. He hadn't been there yet, but yet somehow they put him in as pastor. And he came to church dressed as a hobo. Dirty. Didn't bathe for a few days. He went to really play it up. And he walked into church, walked up and sat on the front pew. And one of the ushers came and said, sir, may and took him up and said, no, you can't sit here and put him in the back row. And so the church service went on and they said, well, we have a new pastor here today, but I haven't met him yet. So he calls out his name and he stands up from the back row comes down and comes up. Can you imagine? And, and, and it stands there. And he tells the church what happened. I was asked to go sit on the back row. They didn't want me looking like this sitting on the front. And then he talked about loving those that not just had, that were wealthy, but those that are poor, to love them the same and not to put preferential seating and all those things. He read those scriptures. And he said, I'm your new pastor. I realize we have a lot to work on. And he says, I think that's enough for today. And he sent them all home. And, then he, and he came back the next week dressed how he normally would be. But I, and I, that kind of hit me. I thought, wow, that's kind of, 
That's amazing, but yet it drives a point home, doesn't it? And it gets them to see how they really can be. Because it never should be like that. We need to love those all that the Lord sends here, no matter how they look, no matter how they are. Love our neighbors like ourselves. Verse 40, on those two commandments, the last, hang all the law and the prophets. Well, notice what Jesus is telling them. On these two commandments, what love God and love your neighbor as yourself, hangs all the law and the prophets. That's the whole Old Testament. God gave them ten commandments. Jesus took it down to two. Hang all the law and the prophets on these two commandments. Because if you get that right, everything else is going to be right, isn't it? Because you're treating people right. Because you love them right. Because we love God well. The most important commandment before God is to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. There is simply no way to love others well if we do not love God well. Daily we must seek to run after his heart. This is how we fall in love with him. You know, the Old Testament talks about David, King David, and he had a love after God's own heart. And I've heard people preach it that he had a heart that just like God's. That's not what that verse is saying. God is not a murderer or adulterer. David was. What that verse is saying is David knew he was messed up, he knew he needed God, and he sought after God's own heart. That's what we need to do. God, may we seek after you. Teach us to be more like you and less of ourselves. How much better we'd be. Oh, to encounter the Father's love, it's one of the greatest privileges as a child of God. you know that? We live in crazy times and turmoil times, but to be able to know that love and have that peace that passes all understanding, even in all the craziness, we can rest assured that God's very much in control. And we need to rest in that, be okay in that, not be afraid of that. Why? Because God's in control. And he's changing it all, and he's going to bring it all to come to pass according to his perfect will. Now, the second commandment is like the first, as Jesus said in Matthew 22. He also made it abundantly clear in John 13, 34, and 35. I'm going to read those real quick. 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. So he's given us the example, his love. And now he's telling us that we need to love one another like that. And you also should love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, you'd think that'd be pretty obvious, but it's not. It reminds me of a story when I first came here, and I'm going to wrap it up here in a minute. I was a young pastor. After I passed my first church in California at the age of 26, 
And by the time I was 29, I had an opportunity to come here to Phoenix. And I wasn't sure if that was the right thing to do at first, you know, but we were praying about it and asking God about it, and it finally became very obvious that we need to come. And I, they, how they knew about me is I came one, what, one summer, I had a, a couple of weeks that we came over here, because remember Linda saying, oh, it's so hot there, I'll never live in Phoenix. <laughs> she ate those words. And I preached a revival, and the pastor found out that I was a preacher. He, he said, young man, I want you to preach a couple of nights. We're having revival all this week. Will you come and preach a couple of nights for us? So I did. And it was about a year and a half, almost two years, that he, they came looking for me in California. That pastor, he went back to Ohio and took a church back there. And the deacon said, go find that young man that, was in, that can preach that revival. Go find him. We want him to be our next pastor. That's how God brought us here. And see, I was young, but I was naive too. Because the little church that we pastored, my first church, everybody got along well. Everybody was more like this. There was no turmoil or friction. I thought all churches were like this. Little And I even made a comment to them when I met with the board. I said, well, I think if the Lord wants us here, we'll get 100% of the vote. And one of the deacons spoke up, and said, Ron, even Jesus didn't get 100%. <laughs> and I said, no, that's why I want to believe that it would be 100%. This is where I'm supposed to be. And they were, they were a little nervous about it. And I didn't totally, I didn't understand because I was very naive. Little did I know, I got 100% of the vote. Half of them voted me in because they wanted me. And the other half was mad at the other half. And they voted me in because he's young. And we'll chew him up and spit him out. And so I had got it. I was the beginning of my true education of pastoring a church. And so, and that's how it played out. But the Lord used it to grow me up. And I learned very early on that the Lord was more interested in changing the minister than he was in the ministry. In the ministry. And that ministry was a mess. And I always thought about how do they show the love of God when they hate each other the way they did? Half of them would sit on one half of the church only because the other half was over here and they didn't want nothing to do with them. And they showed up every week like that. It was, it was crazy. But that's not how it's supposed to be. And so it was a beginning for me to get an education of what church can be like. And I said, no, this ain't going to be... But the Lord used it and used us. And then we, there was some headway that was made. But it wasn't long that we were out the door. But the Lord opened up and we had the privilege of pastoring a church for 10 years. That I, I was talking about that with one of the brothers here before service. That in that little church I pastored for 10 years, we had a church full of kids. And I've told this story before, I'll tell it again. We had pastored a church full of kids, and I always said, Lord, send some adults. We need the adults. And they never came. But I knew the Lord wanted me there, so I kept going. I kept preaching. I kept teaching. It took me 20 years to finally get the punchline. I'm slow. And we stayed, and they all grew up, and they went on, and the Lord never added to the church, and it closed down. And the Lord was 
making a way for us. At the time, I, th I didn't understand it. But he had different ministry for us. Little did I realize I was getting ready to come to North Point that merged with Discovery to become a part of Discovery Point Church. But that church that I pastored, those children was my congregation. I just didn't understand it. I kept invested. I kept preaching. I kept teaching. And I'm glad I did. Because I didn't even get it, but I knew the Lord wanted me there. So I kept going and preaching what I felt he wanted me to say. And those kids grew up. Many of them went on to be missionaries, several pastors. One teaches at Duke University. He teaches theology there. One's in California. Brad got hurt. and He was 17 years old when he came to Christ. And 18 years old, he was paralyzed from a, a crazy... He was trying to surf on the hood of a car and fell off and did damage to himself that he couldn't... He was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And the last that I saw him, the last time I saw him, he was at Folsom Prison. He was teaching the prisoners. And I said, he says, little do they know that I'm teaching Christ and the things of Christ as counseling. <laughs> and I said, well, were you nervous to do that? He said, no, what are they going to do? Pick on a man in a wheelchair? <laughs> and so we just got to be faithful, church. Be faithful to what he's called us to do and to love those, to love one another. This is a command from the heart of Jesus. This is not an option. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. To love. To really love is to have the revelation of loving others the same way that Jesus loves you. That's the hard part, isn't it? It's God who empowers us to love others and to see people through the lens that he sees them. We love people through the love of Christ. Love does not take people simply at face value. Love sees the heart. Unfortunately, many people are quicker to judge than to love. Love must come first. We are commanded to love and have been given the ability to love by the Holy Spirit. And in closing with this, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, Love never fails. Love never fails unless we fail to use it. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.